the person who gets the most done has the least excuses. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman Show. I am super excited. I have another guest for, for you from around the globe, inspiring you and motivating you to live your life rich from the inside out using those principles of life, leadership, and business. And today, my guest I met at the New Media Summit, Kanae Corder, is a national certified counselor, clinical hypnotherapist, CEO of the Presidential Lifestyle, a wellness company focused on wealth in all its forms. She guides stressed out CEOs and high achievers on the transformational journey to manage stress so that they can enjoy their success, turn their money into meaning. This process has been taken men from angry and frustrated to peaceful and fulfilled. She does this inside her private membership club called Presidential Experience, where she hosts private and group conversations based on a proven program she's designed called Control the Controllable, along with her book, The Art of Starting Over, a 30-day step-by-step guide to creating more power, peace, and pleasure in your personal life. Kane is also an international speaker. She currently speaks to organizations and corporations on the topic of stress, finding meaning in life, and using her two talks, Control the Controllable and What's Not on Your Resume, outside the office. She invites CEOs to share their journey to success as she chronicles man's share for meaning over money in the film documentary and upcoming book. With a background in film and television production, financial services, and mental health counseling, she delivers a unique set of skills in her private practice and speaking engagements. She creates life-transforming experiences in a private or group setting. Before entering the financial services industry, Kane gained international popularity when she became the spokesperson for ABC's Extreme Makeover, and Kane loves traveling domestically and internationally for both business and pleasure, and prides herself on the plethora of business contacts and resources all around the world. Kane's greatest goal is to use her gifts to help others discover their gifts. Please welcome Kane Corder to the show. Hi there. Oh, wow. So many accolades. And <laughs> I'm like, hey, I watch Extreme Makeover. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. TV in years, but I, that was one of the shows mm-hmm. that I did used to watch a lot. And it's uh, very cool to connect with you. But what's even cooler is the diversity of your background. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's just amazing to hear about having the mental health counseling, finances, how much they, they're needed together for sure. But I really want to tap into that creating more power, peace, and pleasure. Because I know, you know, when I think of the title, The Art of Starting Over, mm-hmm. so many people hit a place of transition. And it can occur at any age, but 
I'm noticing it a lot between people in their 40s and 60s really transitioning yeah. um, in relationships. They're transitioning in their careers. Um, and they have these fears of starting over. It's like I've built everything up to this point and you look around and you're like, they're either dissatisfied or they're satisfied where they're at, but they just need a change. Mm -hmm. So how can people create more power, peace and pleasure when they're struggling with that transitional phase? Yes, though you just like wrapped it, you just wrapped everything up that we do. That's exactly what we do. We help people discover that, right? Because sometimes you don't even know that's where you are. What I found was that I, my practice is about 70% men. So uh, you know that time when they say men are going through a midlife crisis? Yeah. Well, I likened it to menopause for women. Every single man will experience this, but we're not giving it any credence. And women experience it too, but men just experience it differently. And so I changed that name from a midnight, midlife crisis to an existential crisis because existential therapy is what I practice along with hypnotherapy. And I blend those two together because the power, the peace, and the pleasure are all internal. So the first thing you have to do is shift from that external thinking. So society told us that the American dream was to get married, to have a good job, to um, have a dog and a picket fence. And when you start getting these things, you're like, wait a minute, I don't even like white picket fences. Why did I put this in front of my house? right? It's because we're programmed because society told us this is the way that you are happy if you have these things. So as you start to check the boxes, you realize I have a stellar resume. You know, I, I, I followed the rules. I did the American dream, but it's sort of feeling like an American nightmare. Or sometimes it's just one of those bad movies, a, a B movie, right? You're like, this is B movie. I'm dissatisfied. Or like you said, I'm satisfied but now I just want to change. I want something different. So that power, the peace and the pleasure is inside of you. Everything you need is inside of you already. You now have to block out that old programming and turn within to find out what does make you powerful, what makes you feel peaceful and what pleasure do you like? And pleasure is sort of a bad word. It's like, oh, pleasure, especially around women. We don't know anything about pleasure. In fact, we're like, no, I can't feel any pleasure. <laughs> no, 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 it's not ladylike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of a sudden there's these defined rules, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So ple pleasure is one of those things that men are okay feeling, but they'll do it away from people other than men. Like men, well, they'll talk to other men about their pleasures, but they're not going to talk to the rest of the world or other women. Women are like, I better not even feel any pleasure because then am I really taking care of everybody? If I'm feeling pleasurable, it's probably somebody I left out. I better go, go check my list and see it, check it twice and make sure I took care of everybody I needed to because there's no reason I should have time for myself. No way. And then when it comes to the power, the power is your gut. So when we talk about your power, peace, and pleasure, the power is your gut. You follow your gut, you understand your gut, you get to know your gut, you build a relationship with your gut. The thing is, from a very early age, we're taught not to listen to our gut. We're taught to listen to that external voice. You know how they say, because I said so. 
That is the worst sentence you could ever tell a kid because I said so, it's going to get programmed into them. And eventually, as a parent, your voice won't be the voice they listen to, but they'll always be listening to an external voice. It becomes their friends, and later it becomes t- TV, you know, and society, but they never get to taught how to listen to their own voice or their gut. And not that negative voice that says, oh, you're crap, and you can't do this, and you're too small, and you're too tall, and all that stuff. Not that negative voice. We listen to that one pretty good. It's that soft voice that says, you can do this. Then the loud voice comes. No, you can't. When you can get down to that soft voice that says, you can do this, that's when you gain the power. And that's where hypnotherapy comes in. You don't always need hypnotherapy to get to that soft voice because sometimes that existential crisis is what gets you there. And the existential crisis can last anywhere from six months to two years. And it can start anywhere as early as about 40 years old. And like you said, maybe around 60 is kind of where it cuts off. And it happens to men and women alike, but it just hits men even harder because they don't introspect as much as women do. You know, we have our girlfriends, we have our mothers. (laughs) So we talk it out, but men don't do that. Yeah. But is there a certain event that triggers it for men or women? Like, That's a great there's something that happens? So there's a couple of things that happen. One, they get tired of the grind, right? They get tired of that outside voice. And they're like, shut up. Like, you've talked long enough. But it takes time for them to get tired of it. So that's one thing that happens. They get tired of the grind. They're like, I've been working really hard. And I don't really have anything to show for it. And I remember that there were other things that I wanted to do that I never even got to do. Now, sometimes that happens because of a catastrophic event. They are reminded of their mortality. Maybe a loved one passes away. It's for a man, it's probably going to be his father if he has a relationship with him. Um, It could be his mother, but especially if something happens to his father, because then the father is no longer the king and he has to rise up and he has to come out. And what we call the president, he now has to become the president. It's like he was the vice president and then the father passes away and now he has to take the reins. So that could, that could trigger it for a man. For a woman, it could be her children growing up and moving out. And it's like, oh, shoot, who am I? Or a divorce oh shoot, who am I? I'm no longer John's wife, but that was who I was for so long. I don't know myself. Mm -hmm. And so for a man, a man is rarely Kathy's husband, right? That's not a thing. (laughs) Yeah. But he is the president of this company or the CEO of that company. And if, or just, he could just be the vice president of, or the, the chief marketing officer. He may not have started the company, but he may be a significant player. And if he is, if that title is taken away from him, that can cause an existential crisis because now that title is no longer his. He's no longer uh, counseling uh, his clients on the best legal advice. Now he's retired or, or he's decided to take a different route and he just like doesn't know himself. So those are some of the things that happen. The, The other thing that happens too is that you get this amount of money and, and almost like this is a terrible analogy. So people don't go like, okay, nay, but 
it's almost like when you use a drug long enough and this could be prescription drugs or, or the other ones, the recreational ones, and it just doesn't have the same effect. You can't get that high. Well, that happens with money too. You can only buy so many shoes. You can only buy so many clothes or houses or cars. Eventually it's like, it doesn't give me that feeling it used to to spend. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to do something else with this money. Yeah. And so there's a complacency to it, but there's a boredom behind that. Yes. Exactly. And there is like a numbness. Mm. And it's like, it just, I don't feel anything. And, and many people listening right now are, are saying, ah, that's it. That's what it is. Because you don't really know this because we're not talking about it. We're not, we're, we're doing this in silos, especially men. Like women, we do a much better job at talking about our things. But I was talking with my godmother a few months ago and she's going through some things in aging. And she said that, you know what? I want to tell you these things that are going on with me because I, when you get my age, I don't want you to find this a mystery. And like, what is happening? Oh my gosh, that's new. Or what is this? This never happened before, you know? And, and feeling maybe embarrassed or like I'm the only one that's happening to. And she's like, you're not, you're not. And, you know, it's very interesting because people often think that we are the only ones that things are happening to, because a lot of people, like you said, are not talking about it, not being open about it for the fear of being judged, um, for not looking perfect, perhaps, but really thinking about how is it serving you and how are you forming deeper relationships? Because otherwise we're all walking around with masks and being very superficial with our lives. Yep, pretty much. That is what happens. Also, part of the reason why I chose existential therapy to focus on is because it really talks about this idea that humans are alone. If we, if we are left to our own devices, then we believe, like you said, that we're all alone. It's just us. It's all happening to me. We're very, very egotistical. We're very self-focused and it's only happening to me. I'm the only one going through this and I'm, I'm alone. And we really fear being alone. It almost is like our caveman days when our primitive brain says, if I don't surround myself with people or if I'm not part of the group or if I'm not accepted, then I get exiled out into the woods, the wilderness, the mountains, wherever, and I'll die because I don't have the tribe to take care of me. And so that primitive thinking is still lodged in our brains. And we do as much as we can. We do everything we can think of to be accepted. And so if that means not talking about getting older and those little lines that are coming and pretending like it's not happening or whatever biological things that are happening that you, can, that you definitely can hide, then not talking about those, you feel like you'll be loved more. And for and that, women, we have sort of like a shelf life. You know, we, we, society has told us that, oh, after that, it's over for you. You know, nope, you're, you're not in anymore, right? We, ha- we have a shelf life. And so we have to start talking about this so we can extend our shelf life to the end of our life. <laughs> and, and it's so true. And it's funny because when we think about these transitions, you hear about occurrences where men are going for much younger women. Women maybe get a younger man, but it's often not, not always the, yeah. as much the case. But I find as women age, they're so much more confident that it doesn't matter how, what fine lines or wrinkles come. They're even more beautiful than they were when they were younger. 
because yeah. they carry such that confidence. And, and I think that's why they attract more leadership opportunities and really step into the, and you know, it's hard at, at uh, initially, I think for some of them, when I've been um, around some who really thinking about their transition, whether it be in a divorce or a death of a spouse, it's like, how do I move forward? And I'm curious when you work with people in these transitional places or they're looking for more meaning in their lives, where do you even start? Yes. So I am going, you made two good points that I want to touch on. And and then I'm going to talk about where do you start? So one, you talked a little bit about men getting the, the younger woman. And sometimes a woman will do it too. But I want to explain why that happens because a lot of times men get a bad rap for doing that. So around that existential crisis time, a man reverts back to when he was what he thought was at his best, right? So it might be 19, it might be 21. Somewhere between 19 and 25 is where his brain goes back to. And everything he wanted between 19 and 25, he wants again. So it, that's why he goes out and buys a Ferrari or a Porsche, because when he was 20, he dreamed about owning a Porsche. And now he's 50, and he can afford it, because when he was 20, he could not afford it. But at the same time, when he was 20, he wanted the the or the baddest, you know, the best, the finest, or whatever word he used to describe her, woman. And when he was 20, he probably didn't feel confident enough to pull her. But now, with his distinguished grace and his, his bank account, he can get her. So yeah. because his brain is has reverted back to that age range, he's going after all those things he was never, never, never able to conquer, but he can get now. So it sounds silly to the outside world, but to his brain, this is what makes sense. This is giving me that win. Now, on the other side of that, that's that six months to two years I talked about. Yes. On the other side of that, he is going to wake up and say, wait, does this bring me meaning? It takes time to get through that process, though. And if he finds that, no, it doesn't give me meaning, then he will end up going back to his wife or, you know, finding a, a distinguished woman to match him. Because when he becomes a president, he's not going to want what we call a mayor. <laughs> he's not going to want a mayor. He's only going to do presidential things. And so that I wanted to make sure I touched on. Now, the other thing you talked about is women becoming more confident. Yes. It is almost like a wash over you. It's like as if you get baptized or something when you eight <laughs> 30, 20, no, a mess. 30, a mess. Nervous breakdown. 40, 50, 60, it just gets more and more, it just gets better and better. And I remember when I was a kid, probably a teenager, and I used to see the older ladies in my church walk around with such confidence. They just tell people, do things. <laughs> you sit over there. It's like, okay, nobody goes up against them. And that amount of confidence, you just don't really have when you're 20 or 30. You're just like, oh, should I? I don't know. You're so questioned. At 50, 60, 70, forget about it. You can ask for anything you want. So I just love that about getting older women get more confident and that confidence is beautiful. And then they embrace their grades instead of coloring them. And then they, you know, just, just wear what they're comfortable with and they look so gorgeous in it. 
So I wanted to make those two points. Now let's talk about how do you start. So if you're in the midst of this existential crisis, then there's, you still haven't gotten to the starting point. It's almost like a contemplation stage. And I'll use a lot of analogies. And the analogy that I want to use here is you're kind of like you're applying for college. You are getting your application in, you're taking your ACTs, you are applying for college. You're figuring out which college you want to go to. There's some choices. You're looking to see, okay, where do I fit, right? Like there's already a place for you, but you don't know where it is just yet. So you're in that contemplation contemplation stage and you're really just figuring that out. What do I want to let go of? What do I not want to take into this next phase of my life? Because it's BS and I don't need it. What do I want to make sure is in this next phase of my life? Who do, who do I want to keep around me? And, and based on my accomplishments, so this is what we, this is about my talk, what's not on my resume. So you build a stellar resume already. Now it's time to build a stellar life. And so you start to evaluate. And that's really the first step is that contemplation, that evaluation. What's not on my resume that I, I really want to accomplish? Some of that is the things that you maybe feared when you were 30. And so you wouldn't dare go after them. Some of them may be the things that you, what I call fret, like you don't want other people to know that you even like this thing, right? They're like, what? You enjoy that? So maybe you kept it a secret or you just didn't do it because of how you'd be perceived. And then there are the things that you, you just did, they just don't fit on your resume. You're just like, I just didn't have the time to do them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now you can either decide I'm going to take the time or you can put it on your list to get done later because not everything has to get done this year. Okay. Let me say that. You can make it a step-by-step -step process. Baby steps count too. Let me say that. So that's the first part. Contemplate, evaluate, sort of plan it out. And then you begin to execute. And that execution comes with the boldness that is going to come. Be unapologetic for what it is that you want. Now, for some people, that might be going to see somebody like me. I'm a hypnotherapist, but I'm also a counselor therapist. So you may go see a therapist to have those conversations with because you, you can't always talk to your friends about this, especially if your friends are not currently experiencing this. They won't quite get it. They'll have some sense of it, but they won't quite get it. And if you're a man, and I know this is the Millionaire Woman podcast, what I imagine there's a man too. Yeah, exactly. So if you're a man and you're going through this, it's likely you have never had anybody to talk to about this. You, or at least that was your belief, let's say that. Yeah. And at this point, as you amass more money, more accomplishments, more things, there are less people to, for you to talk to. Maybe your wife is not experiencing an existential crisis, so she can't she can't help you. She can't converse with you about this. Your employees, absolutely not, right? Your, your, your employees, the people you manage or people who, you, who run the company with you, you can't talk to them. Of course not. They need to see you as a leader. You know, even your friends, even if they are going through it, they're not sure how to continue that conversation with you. So you may need to talk to a professional, a neutral third party that can have this conversation, no judgment, because there's no judgment in this. This is a beautiful thing, this transition. And so I think I'll put as 1A, so I said the first part of that was the evaluation, but like a half point, like a point in the middle is 
remove the judgment. Like you don't judge yourself because we're not judging you going through this. Now society may be, but forget about all of that. And that's how you get to that next point about being unapologetic. This is your transition. Just own it, love it, experience it, enjoy the process. And I know that is tough. Like people tell you, enjoy the process. This is how I started this program. When I kept hearing different people from coaches to, to energy readers to all kinds of people telling me, well, just enjoy the process. Can I just enjoy the process? And I'm like, if one more person tells me to enjoy the process, but doesn't tell me how to enjoy the process, I'm going to choke them. It <laughs> makes total sense. So I have a question for you here. Yes. So, you know, one of the things is that whether it be man or woman, people give a lot of unsolicited advice, especially when they haven't experienced what you're going through. Yeah. And I want to throw caution to the wind that the more we listen to other people, the more we lose sight of ourselves. Yes, absolutely. It's a miseducation that, that they're, they believe they're educating us, right? But it's this miseducation. And it could be somebody very wise, but just not in that particular subject that they decided that they know so much about. And problem is, but what I said earlier, the program, we are programmed from a very young age because our parents, our teachers did, because I said so, to listen to other people. So we would probably be more open to their suggestion than we are to our own. And we can have a gut feeling that, mm, I don't think that's right. But because we may not have the answer, we may just go with it because we don't know what else to do. And we are not program to just sit in our feelings and just feel them like yeah. recently I had to end a friendship and I miss this friend and it used to be in the past what I would do is like talk myself out of missing them oh forget it like you move on like get over that kind of thing right and as you know as a therapist I do my work and so since I've done my work I was like you know what no just feel it feel missing them it doesn't feel good to miss somebody and then one years ago, I didn't even know what the feeling of missing anything felt like because I was either getting it because it was no way I was missing something I wanted or I was forgetting it, getting it or forgetting it. Those were the two I had. But now I'm like, just experience it. You know, when you say that feeling of missing it, mm -hmm. it also makes me think that it's a great reminder to remind yourself that you had it. And it's not that it's, gone completely because you still carry memory with you. Mm, beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. So with all of this going on, I can imagine that it can be very stressful. Yes. And, you know, not only self-judgment, self-talk, um, environmental influences, people around us, how do you help people filter through all the stress going on around them to really be able to tune in and trust themselves? Yes. So <laughs> ladies, this is where <laughs> we fight. <laughs> men, this is where men excel because this part is a step-by-step -step process. Mm -hmm. And men do really, really well with step-by-step -step processes. Women, on the other hand, they question the process. They're like, well, do we have to do it in that order? Do, can I do this first? Or do I even have to do this step? <laughs> That's funny. 
<laughs> it's so true though. It's so true. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> so it really is a step-by-step process. And every single session, I ask every single patient a couple of questions. And the first is, how are you sleeping? If they tell me their their sleep is poor, back, you know, poor quality of sleep right now, then I'm knowing stress is coming or they already is overwhelming. So because one is one, two things happens. I'm asking these questions because I know if you put these things in place, you can handle stressful situations. But if these things are not in place, stress will pull you down even further. So I want to know what your sleep is like. I want to know what your nutrition is like, especially your water intake. And then I want to know what your physical activity is. So if all of these things, if I ask you on a scale from one to 10, and if all of these things are below seven, then I know you're vulnerable. So the first part of it is to keep all three of those things above seven or above. Now, if you're saying I'm at a 10, then I know that we can work through any stressful situation that you're about to receive. Now, of course, there's catastrophic events. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about normal everyday life stresses. The catastrophic events, those are outliers. And having good sleep and nutrition and physical activity is not necessarily going to make you be able to move through those things fluently. If, you know, somebody dies or there's a, a hurricane, you know, those things, much different situations. So if you, though, we first check those and we have a routine that has you getting the right amount of sleep, the right amount of nutrition, the right amount of physical activity. And that's the first step. The second part of that is we, I ask in every session, how do you want to show up in the world? I'm sorry, not every session. In the first session, how do you want to show up in the world? And what that means is when you leave the room, how do you want to be described? Oh, that woman is tenacious. Oh, that woman is powerful. Oh, that woman is so generous. Oh, that woman knows her stuff. Like whatever those words are you want people to say. And we need to be reminded of this because what I'm going to ask you and how I know if you're under stress is if you're not performing like that woman. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, well, usually you're really generous in this area. So I'm surprised that you didn't offer that. Tell me about that. So you have to be able to know this for yourself because we're only going to work together for about six months to a year. If I am working with you constantly after a year, either you're not doing your work or I'm not doing good work. And that's unacceptable. We really should not work more than a year because I should be giving you the tools so you can fire me. And that's the best part of my job to get fired. (laughs) As crazy as that sounds. But I know you're doing your work. So how do you want to show up in the world? Another question is, what is your idea of prosperity? Now, this is really important for couples as well, because you can have really strong, powerful conversations if you know the idea of prosperity, because this is where money fights happen. If my idea of prosperity is going to work at eight o'clock, getting home at 530, having dinner, watching Netflix, blah, blah, blah. I know, I know every hour on the hour where I'm going to be and anybody can find me there. If that's my idea of prosperity, but my spouse's idea of prosperity is every day is different, new adventures. I might go to work at eight. I might go at 11. I might not go at all. Right. (laughs) So I might own a business. I don't even want to go to work. If we have two different ideas of prosperity, we are likely going to clash. The thing is, 
we usually do because prosperity means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And if we haven't discussed that, then we're going to put each other under so much pressure and stress to have our same idea of prosperity. It's like, no, you need to think like me. No, you need to think like me. The way your way of thinking is wrong. Somebody told me, that's a fairy tale, Kanae, that life you want to live. That's a fairy tale. Uh, no, it's real life. And just watch. It's going to happen with or without you, my brother. <laughs> yeah. Because then they say, well, I need you on my page. Yes, exactly. And the thing is, what, ha what can happen is you can bring those ideas of prosperity together. Now, it does mean that one person will be doing some compromising or some sacrificing at some time, but then it switches and the other person does the compromising and the sacrificing. But you have to get on the same page as to where the compromising happens. That's the page that right. needs to be the same. Not that we, all, we do everything your way or everything my way. And when we ask ourselves that question, what is my idea of prosperity? We get to know ourselves better. We can cut out what society has taught us because maybe you don't want a house with a pig and fence. Maybe you don't want a dog, you know, maybe you want to travel to a new place every year and live somewhere new, but you got to decide that for yourself. And so this is how you get started by asking some of these questions in my book, The Art of Starting Over. I have a ton of questions in there. That is a technical term, ton of questions. <laughs> but that actually, the book is how I became a therapist because I had friends that were therapists. They read my book and they were like, you are a therapist and you need to go finish your calling because this book is an inter intervention. And in the book, I talk about some of those questions that you need to ask yourself. Are you a giver or a taker? Neither one of those things are bad. We just need to be familiar with who we are. So at the end, we don't feel used. We're like, oh no, they used me up. It's like, wait a minute. That's how you want to show up in the world. You are a giver. You are generous. Now that doesn't mean you don't ever receive. There does need to be some reciprocity. So you find your, what do we call your you formula. And so everybody has a formula that makes up them. And it's harmonious. It's not balanced. It doesn't mean if you're going to give 50%, you need to receive 50%. No, you might be okay with giving 80% of the time as long as you receive the 20% you need. So you have to find your you formula. How much time do you give to this? How much time do you give to that? What do you expect? Like my best friend, and I talk about this a lot, she works at Presidential Lifestyle with me, and she is okay with text messaging. Now, for most people, I am too, but not for her, <laughs> not for my daughter, and not for my mother. Those three people I need to talk to on the phone. And so if we don't talk and we're texting back and forth, and my mother knows this, and my best friend knows this, and my daughter knows this, they're going to hear it. They, they, they may say, I just talked to you yesterday. No, you didn't. You text me yesterday, but you did not talk to me yesterday. But this is a conversation we need to have so that we understand how do I feel loved or appreciated or understood mm -hmm. when I have a conversation with you, I feel checked on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is where things go off the rails is when one person's compromising all the time mm -hmm. and the other one has no emotional awareness that... Yeah they are taking majority of the time or they're in charge most of the time. And the other person may just resign or mm -hmm. they might decide yes. to find their voice and stand up and say no more. Yes. And it's not, and here, I'm so glad you said that because 
by the time they find their voice, usually when they wait that long and they acquiesce and they acquiesce and then they finally find their voice, it usually is something like no more. But that's not really what they wanted to say. They really wanted to say, I need 20% of the time for you to do this. But because they waited so long and they're so empty, 20% is never going to be enough anymore. Yeah. But if they would have said something early enough, and ladies, I'm really talking to you because men do not have a problem asking us for what they want. They're like, oh, I need my dinner on the table by six o'clock, you know, or whatever. And I mean, that's across the board coming from when you go on a date, first date, and a guy asks you to go home with them. And you're like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, asked what he wanted. <laughs> but he's like, hey, I just thought I'd ask. You never know. <laughs> yeah. I had to try, right? But ladies, we don't necessarily try. So we've got to improve in that area. We've got to get better with that. We've got to be able to use our voice early enough before we completely stress and completely burned out. And that's one of the steps as well. So there's awareness. That's the first step. Really getting aware of what we want before you go to the ask. Because it's a terrible ask if you start asking and you don't even really know what you want, which happens a lot. And when I, when I counsel couples and I'm thinking, wait a minute, but that's not what you even really want. So why are you fighting on the dirt? Like, let me help you with this fight. <laughs> let me help you. Yeah. So, so that you actually win. <laughs> then it ends up being a winning side for both of them because it didn't have to go on for a great length of time because the meaning is hidden in amongst what they're asking. Yes. So you need that awareness first. And then you need to say, okay, so now that I know what I want, what I don't want, and all of those things, what can I accept? What can I accept? So let's say the person, and you're already married, or you already own this business, right? Or you already, whatever the thing is, it's not going to be able to be changed yet. You're going to have to accept some part of it. And so get really clear on what you can accept. And then the part that you have control over, the controlling, the controllable, the part that you have control over, begin to take control over it. Because a lot of times we are so focused on the things we don't control. Oh, I hope it doesn't rain on my wedding. You have absolutely no control over whether it rains that day. All you have control over is did you have an alternate location just in case it does, right? That's all you have control over. So really get clear on what you have control over. And let me break it down to you. Now, this is for the men. Men, you do not control your wife. You do not control your children. You barely control yourselves. So please stop trying to control everything because you don't. Women, you do not have control over events. I know you want to make sure everything is perfect, but something is going to be without, outside of your control and you're just going to have to live with it and prepare for it. Now, you may not always be able to prepare for all things. So one thing that you actually do have control over is your reaction. And I call it a response rather than a reaction. You really want to be ready to respond a certain way because when emotions are high, logic is low. So if you haven't prepared or if you thought you controlled something, the first thing is going to happen is your emotions are going to go skyrocket. Oh my gosh, I did. This is terrible. Breathe. See it coming. Yep. Okay. I'm getting upset, but that's okay because... I'm going to stay logical. You ask yourself, and the way you do that is to ask yourself some really logical questions. Okay, what is today? Today, say the date. Let's just say March 15th. 
January 30th, August 12th, whatever the date is. That's a logical question. You know the answer to it. What's the time? Okay, 7.45. What color is my car? Purple. Okay, nobody has a purple car anymore. Why did I just say that? (laughs) (laughs) But you get what I'm saying. You got to ask yourself some very logical questions because you will pull yourself out of the amygdala. You'll pull yourself out of your your primitive brain and back into your conscious brain. Now, the conscious brain is going to save you in this situation because it will kick in and go into planning mode. But if you go into your subconscious brain, which triggers you back to some old time that happened before, it usually is from zero to seven, but it could also be It could be from 14 to 21. It could be any age that your brain will take you back to. But I tell you, being a hypnotherapist, most things happen between zero and seven. And then we just repeat it over and over and over and over through our lives. So you're going to get triggered and taken back to a past time. Stay in this time zone by asking yourself logical questions. Don't go back to the past. Otherwise, you'll go into that mode that you were in and you'll repeat the same thing, expecting a different result. You'll start yelling at people because that works, right? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) You'll start throwing things, breaking stuff. And I'm joking, but you know, whatever. That's why they created those rage rooms where you can go into a room and allow yourself to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So those are just a few of the step-by-step processes, the awareness, the acceptance, the adjust. What do I need to adjust here? No. And then there's this forgiveness. Okay. So I wasn't prepared. I forgive myself. Yeah. Sometimes you just won't be, you know, forgive yourself, forgive the other people. Why did anybody tell me? Hmm. All right. I'm going to have to forgive those people for whatever it is. And then the gratitude. I'm so glad this happened because we're going to plan other events. And I'm glad this happened so that I'll know what to do in this situation. You got to be grateful for those challenges, even the ones that are painful. I mean, really painful. You still have to be grateful. Yeah. And somebody else might need this. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the steps. It's 10 of them in the Control the Controllable series that we teach But those are a few of them to get started. And a lot of those you can do on your own. You don't have to have a therapist. Sometimes it makes the transition easier, especially somebody like me, because I'm really a very directive therapist. I don't let you sit and stew and try and figure it out. This is existential therapy we're doing. We're going to work through this. We're going to talk it out and we're going to get there. And only time we're going to be in the past is when we're looking to see how did you get here? That's the only reason we know we need to go to the past. Once we do hypnotherapy and clear up that past from there on, it's forward thinking, forward movement. We're going forward and we're getting a new plan set in place and that allows you to live that life of meaning because like we know, everybody knows that money is the number one cause of stress, whether you have it or not. So it may be that you have this amount of money, but you don't know what to do with it, right? You may be that you don't have enough money, but because money is the number one cause of stress, that is a a really simple way to begin to monitor your stress level is to take the money and when does money cause you stress? And this is my last point because I know, Deborah, you got a Full schedule and a we lot can of things. Talk all, all the hours of the day. <laughs> so you think about it this way: there's a money cycle, and the cycle of money goes earn, grow, 
protect, gift, and enjoy your money. And if you look at where you have the most stress or anxiety, is it around earning? Is it around growing? Is it around protecting? Is it around gifting? Or is it around enjoying? Because all of us have, we're good in one area, one or two areas and we're not so good in the other areas. So look at where you find the most stress and go ahead and just become aware. Just notice the first step. And then you say, well, where did this even like where how can i adjust this or where can, where where can i move some things around well i could take one day a week and just say forget it no work i'm going to have some fun right that could just be one baby step that you take mm-hmm. and let's say you say well what do i need to accept well i need to accept that 250,000 that's just as much as i can make i've been trying for 3 or 4 years to get past that number but for some reason that's where i keep getting stuck you may need to accept that maybe you just don't want to work more hours maybe you just don't want to take on certain types of clients whatever it is no judgment that might be your number or you can get hypnotherapy to see if there are some blocks that keep you past that that get you past that number because it may be that when you were six years old or when you were 16 years old, you said, oh, I'll know when I make it because when I make it, I'll be making $250,000 a year. And so that number is stuck in your brain. And so you keep doing the same things and staying in that number. So that could be the case, but it might just be that 250 is your number and that's okay. You don't have to be a millionaire. So these things, this is because I know a lot of people listening to the show could be stuck on that number. I got to get a million. I got to get a million. I got to get a million. I got to keep a million. I got to keep a million. I got to keep a million. I got to get to 10 million now. I got to get to, you know, it's like, really, do you? Or can you feel like a millionaire woman with $250,000? Can you feel like a millionaire woman with 750000 Like whatever your number is. So the only number I have stuck in my head is that I'm going to live to 103. That's the plan. Really? And but you just led into my final question is what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Oh, I heard this on your podcast and I was like, I love (laughs) that question. It goes so well with our, what is your idea of prosperity question and living rich from the inside out is kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. And it's really turning in and deciding what is right for me. Forget what society says. Forget all of that. What do I really want? And it probably happened when I was a kid. Somewhere between zero and seven, I said, I want to be this, or I want to be that, or I want to feel this way. I want to be a princess, you know, whatever it was. And just be that. Like, I can be a princess, and I don't have to have a kingdom. So for me to feel rich from the inside out is for me playing with my inner child every single day and just doing whatever she freaking tells me to do because she's the boss. Love (laughs) it. Love it. So Kanae, how can people stay in touch with you and learn more from you? I usually like to give a couple resources free hang out with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm really good in my DMs. So if you have questions, I'm pretty generous when it comes to answering questions. If they get really super long, I'm going to send you an audio message because I have a lot of typos. <laughs> LinkedIn or 
Instagram for like that just free connection, want to see my lifestyle, what I do, some of the things that I post. And then we also have a meaning of life quiz. And you take the meaning of life quiz to find out if you are a chief, a mayor, a governor, or maybe you're already a president. Maybe you're already on the course to living a life of meaning. And you can get that at presidentiallifestyle.com slash meaning dash quiz. So those are the two, I would say, easiest way to connect with us. Um, but I also have a podcast called the Presidential Experience Podcast. So if you if you've liked this conversation, there's more of these. <laughs> so those are I would say are the three ways to stay connected and hang out with me sometimes. Well, Kane, this was a fabulous interview. Thank you for sharing so many nuggets. Um, really deep conversation. I know that we've left people thinking because I'm already thinking of all questions for another interview uh, with you in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for letting me go all over the place because that's really what it's about. How we get to that place is to explore. So thank you for exploring with me. No problem. Thank you everyone for watching or viewing and listening to the Millionaire Woman Show where we're talking about life, leadership, and business with phenomenal guests. Go over to iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Give us a rating, subscribe, write a review. We would love to hear from you. You can also go over to my website at www and grab your free three-part mini course video on making habits stick. Focus, consistent, and get results. And it's, it's free for you right there. You can go and grab it right now. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to be in the world, see in the world. And on behalf of Kanae and myself, go out and make today great. <laughs>